Hello and welcome to this week's Stats One podcast with me, James York, and Ted Knutson. That was slightly sillier than last week, so I don't know what are, you, are you sad when it's not silly? <laughs> I wouldn't say that. You know, are you like my a... six-year-old? Is that what you're going for? Like, if I'm not silly, I, it just doesn't work for you. Try and run a tight ship here, but it's not always easy. So, you know, you just do your best and see how it ends up. It's been a big week, though, Ted. Uh, uh, you've been uh, the star of the show, as ever. <laughs> hey, 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 hey. I reject that. I don't. <laughs> <laughs> but it's been a huge week for the company because uh, we had a Revolve event uh, on Wednesday, which was really good. And I think a lot of people turned up to it uh, and will have will have probably enjoyed it. Uh, we're launching new products. We're announcing new customers. We're talking about how we do our job. Um, just all sorts. New models. I mean, yeah, we wanted to kind of make a big fuss, didn't we, Ted? That's what we do, James. Allegedly, we just make big fusses, even when we haven't said a single thing for like a year. <laughs> Apparently, that it's, it's funny how these things get stuck in people's head. Um, you know, I I joke around about forgot about Dre and Ben in the lab with a pen and a pad and shit like that. And I do listen to a lot of hip hop, both old school and some new. Um, yeah, it was. I think having I'm an old, and so I've done this for a while. I think. The most fun thing about almost any job is creating new things and then releasing it to the world. And I have felt this way about back when Merrick and I were doing visualizations. Like the that was fun. Like you go through the process and it's collaborative and it's creative and that was awesome. And I felt that way about creating new data. And I think the saddest part about all of this is I was really hearkening back to being in like Elephant and Castle in South London. Uh, you know, one night in. May of 2018 and we had a bunch of friends around us and we were drinking beer and eating really good almost shockingly good pizza um in this pub after our after our data launch our original one and we couldn't have that this time and so I was a little maudlin about that but everything else about it fucking rocked like we the the guys did a great job um you know behind the scenes like Nathaniel Brain who is one of the designers like did so much work on my presentation. I can't tell you, like, so I'm out there doing the talk, but so many people contributed to just my own talk and not just, you know, obviously creating a new data product is, is just enormous endeavor. <laughs> um, so it's, it's so funny, like the CEO and founder or founders of startups often get the credit, but the reality is like, I have so little impact and so few decisions I make in this company that, you know, it's, it, so many other people are involved and, and you you try and you try and you try to give people credit and you say these things but the reality is just you know there's a certain lens that everything from the media side uh, or even you know your own podcast or whatever it's impossible to credit like 250 people uh all at the same time but that's the truth of it that's that's why we exist we're going to talk a little bit about james's job today too uh he doesn't necessarily know that yet so just just you know tell him the the listeners if james feels uncomfortable well, that's my fault too. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you can't emphasize enough how, how much, like, you know, we've got a bunch of guys working in kind of like marketing. The collection team in, in Cairo is, is just like, you know, the cause of everything we do. And it was good. Our event, if you, I believe you, if you can, if you didn't see it, you can, you can grab it online, can't you? The links are the links are there and you can watch it. There's four talks. Do you get Ted? Uh, you get Ali and Hisham who both talk about the collection and how data collection 
uh, comes to be and the checks and all the, these things that we do, which is pretty interesting and you know, scarce look at that kind of thing. And then you get Dinesh, who's uh, one of our data scientists. We've got a really strong data science team uh, nowadays, and um, you know, he talks about new models and things. So it's, it's something for everyone, I think, Ted, from this whole kind of area of. Uh, you know, we've we've we used to be a blog. Now, then we were a consultancy. Now we're a data co, and it, all, all of these things can meld into one, and you know, are what we are today. It's um, it's quite a journey. Yeah, it's it's also, you know, one of the reasons why Hesham and Ali were giving talks is because I wanted to put, you know, people who are are the other half of our driving success. So so Ali was the CEO, and Hesham the COO of Arcom, and uh, we acquired them after doing partnership to create data and they have been amazing and they have been there not quite every step but nearly every step in our journey and certainly our journey as a as a data company and you know I, I, i've done press around the the evolve launch of the 360 launch and you know the switch to data was hugely important for the the future of our company at the time and and a lot of it did come out of just wanting to do something different wanting to do something better and I think that yeah, if you if you listen to my Evolve talk, the it was, the first part of it, the first half almost, is a recap of StatsBomb data and what we have done with that and how it exists in the market and what we've continued to do with that. And it was time to stop allowing other people to confuse whether that's via their own marketing or you know people who are looking to evaluate this stuff. The idea that their data, StatsBomb data is the same as everybody else's data. Like, it's just not. And so you don't get to claim that anymore. Unless your data has all these things that we talked about, which includes, you know, the freeze frames around shots, which includes shot impact height, which includes past footedness, which includes pressures, which includes past heights, which includes so much other stuff. Like, you don't get to claim that your base data is the same. And it's not the same in quality either. Like, the, the sequences are, are cleaner. We have much more, more granular and more accurate timestamps. Like, all of that in the base data is a huge improvement. And so, you know, unless somebody comes correct and it brings that, it brings the noise with their own data, like that's not true either. And then that, that's even short of everything that happens in Statsbomb IQ. Like that's just at the data level. And IQ is what makes it sing. IQ in some ways is where the magic happens. Um, and so we wanted to, to start off just recapping for anybody that joined, you know, the journey late, like this is where Statsbomb data was. And then over the last sort of 15, 18 months, we've been working on computer vision and we realized that 360 was really important and uh, a product that, that we felt strongly about and felt like the, the natural evolution of everything else that we'd done. And so that was what we delivered. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's this is this is the thing. I, I, I quite like the idea of it being like event plus data. I mean, there's, there's a whole there's a whole kind of ecosystem of, of uh, football data and sports data even and the difference between like the most kind of like high fidelity uh, like tracking data you can get and event data which is just tracking what hap what happens is is really quite large and the insights that you can get from that and i feel like we've slotted ourselves in beautifully kind of like in the middle of that uh, insofar as you get kind of like uh, tracking insights from essentially enhanced event data this way and it's it's really quite interesting because you know all of these things that we we speak to clubs all the time and we speak to you know people around the kind of football um, systems and like the questions that people ask the football question people look at football data and people look at football and 
the questions people ask of each of these things can be different. Like you can play with a set of numbers and you can get these insights and you can talk about football and you get these insights and trying to bring those two things closer together and, you know, answer actual football questions with data and move the data towards the football and get these kind of two parties uh, singing nicely, harmoniously together is, you know, a big thing of what we've, what we've tried to do at Stouts Bomb. And, you know, I think we're getting there with, um, you know, we got there with the first data set that we launched, which which brought in all these kind of added features that was really, um, really exciting and useful. And the, the reception's, you know, always been really strong. And now we're kind of moving on again with the 360 stuff to get even more. And yeah, I think as much as anything, you've alluded to this, I know in the, in the talks that you've done, it's like, the kind of like the, into the unknown about like you know not, we don't know exactly what what insights we're going to bring out of this because it's all so fresh and like this data set is going to exist across multiple leagues um you know it's going to how many 30, leagues 38 is it we're going to have 38 leagues of pre-60 data yeah now so, that's, so 21 that's 22 is is 38 uh we'll have i think 10 and a half is is how i've referred to it for 2021 uh, the half is MLS, which sort of spans the the calendar year as opposed to the European season. Yeah, so that's you know huge huge scope with this kind of like enhanced event data. What um, is it though, James? What is, <laughs> what is 360? It's basically um, identifying where players are on the pitch. Um, so you know, a normal event um, in event data, you can often you've got the they call them the eventer, the person on the ball. We brought in pressure, which meant that you could actually identify players that were opponents that were pressing which hugely increased the kind of granularity of um, defensive data which used to be you know really quite low when you think of kind of I call them the classic metrics is to tackles and interceptions you might kind of like register a team might register 60 or 80 a game if you go up to, if you add in the pressure you can multiply that by four or five and it really gives you a huge new window to it and what 360 does is give you locations of players so we've got whole a huge range of things that we can look at including like you know uh, receipts in space like passing lanes uh, line breaking passes um to like team pressure like defensive shape all these things and th- the world's our oyster really because we can explore all of these things and render them in various visualizations and uh, fit fit them into the models that we're building and yes yeah, it's, it's really exciting isn't it so we're calling it contextual event data up front um which you know i think accurately represents uh, you know, there's context around each event and that context is location of players. Um, and so, you know, in, in a way it's simple, right? It's, it's freeze frames, which we already existed around every event that we collect um, and try to get frame precise timing on it. So we want to collect that event at the exact moment that it happened in our base data, which again is super complicated and something that we've been working on for like a year. And it, it does get more accurate over time, but you know, it's a, it's a real endeavor to, to do that. Um, and <laughs> it's kind of funny, like, I, I remember some of the pushback of how we described uh, past expected goals at our data launch, right? So in 2018, when we did, and, it, you know, the YouTube videos are still out there, but when we did the launch, uh, we called it, I called it naive XG, right? And people like, oh, that's a nonsense, blah, blah, blah. And now that kind of naive expected goals phraseology as, as sort of, you know, people just accept it because it is, it's, it's not pejorative. It just means that it knows less. Like that's, that's, that's what naive <laughs> I was trying to convey there. Um, with this, then, you know, expected or expected goals and what we did on the shot side uh, really did 
change the the calculations and and this is true for the goalkeeper location it's true for the defensive player location and it's true for shot impact height and we've kind of proven that mathematically but it just makes sense from a football perspective um that was 25 or 30 events a game <laughs> uh when you take it to 3300 events a game <laughs> which is two orders of magnitude larger uh it's a lot of work and so we had to build the tech to flip it around and so instead of the humans uh collecting and having a lot of machine qa and, and machine sort of parameters around that uh which we do have in our base data it is now the machines that are collecting and it's the humans to make sure the machines get it right and you know that that kind of is is partly a wave of the future but as ali pointed out during his talk like our hybrid data collection structure we think is, is it just solves so many problems that would get missed or overlooked or potentially creep into uh, if you just did it on the machine side or just on the human side as well. Yeah, sports day is, sports day is difficult. You know, it's, let's not underestimate like the, the scale of these tasks. You know, from all the all the way along, sports collecting sports data is hard, um, and I think the the mix of machines and humans. I, I don't know. Probably in an ideal world, you know, you can you can automate everything but it's it's just not it's not realistic for the for this product is it it's um the the necessity to have like the human element around sports data is is still hugely valid and something that we're very cognizant of i think yeah i i don't think that we'll go away from it you know we'll it, there's a point at which the the algorithms get good enough they know enough data uh the situation doesn't change then you then start to apply humans to other places to make sure that that data is really good. And people won't realize it if they haven't done it. Uh, and when we say that this is hard, it's not because like we're trying to toot our own horns or anything. Like if you just go do this job, <laughs> it is hard. It is, yeah. and and so like you know, try and collect what's happening, even with you know collection software in front of you during a match of football, and do it quickly. And that's your challenge. And it's just a very tricky thing. And so there are a lot of little subjective things that, you know, we try and we, we try to make the most objective data set, period. But nevertheless, like you will hit things that the machines would find impossible to parse. And so you'd end up with defaults that are biased. And hopefully the, the humans do a better job of cleaning that up. But nevertheless, um, so yeah, 360 is out there. And James has mentioned a little bit about all the cool things that you can do with it right now. Uh, which include my brain passes and receipts in space. Um, as I describe it, the, the David Silva sort of player archetype, you can search across 38 leagues. Uh, maybe the, the line breaking passes as a center back, you're finding like Jerome Boateng's who has been long been one of the most amazing players at doing that, Matt Hummels as well. Um, and then you kind of go you know, further into the data set and you're looking at pressures kind of as a degree, you're looking at passing lanes as you layer in uh, possession value models and contextual possession value models, which you would have with us, which we'll talk about in a bit, um, you'll then start to potentially look at decision matrices and uh, yeah, evaluating decision-making ability in players, which is often overlooked. And then like the defensive side of the ball, as you know, we care a lot about that. That's often the thing that lags in, in sports data uh, evolution. And so, you know, pressures were part of that uh, improvement. But now as we've got team ID in the base data right now, we're working on player IDs over time 
Um, that's a it's a big technological problem. It's hard, uh, but we're you know we know that we want to put that in there too. So once the point you have very clean player IDs in the 360 stuff, then you're able to determine the position of the players on each event, and you start to get a lot more defensive contextual information out of that too. Yeah, and that's the thing. That's you know part of my role going forward is actually rendering these things into into our IQ product, which is um, you know under continuous development. Um, we just re- recently released um, a new version of IQ Scout, which has has been well received, um, and you know it gives gives you an ability to filter and chop and look at players, and bringing in bringing in these new um, kind of features around uh, the new data set is you know basically my number one priority for the you know for the near future, and every, everything's so fast like it's 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 funny we've had a lot of, a few few inquiries recent uh, off the back of this event as in like you know when exactly is is uh, this this feature um you know going to be released into data into into the product and it's like that very soon but like this is what we're working <laughs> on you know th- things move pretty fast you know it's like everything this week has been uh, or up to this week has been about like get, getting the data set uh, collected getting it um launched and then getting the model the obv model right uh getting the event right and now it's now you know we we build it into our products and this is the thing you've got to move fast in this game and that's what we do that's what we do yeah <laughs> it is <laughs> should we go to the, there's a marvelous piece of feedback that i wanted to highlight uh from paul riley long to long time friend of the friend of the world friend of this world and he, i believe is the correct description <laughs> here we go bring it up it's great ted did an interview with adam bait at sky sports yesterday talking about all this and uh there was a there was a, a wee bit of feedback um paul riley said ted's energy drive and perhaps most importantly his willingness to stick his neck out as far as possible to sell sell it let change the landscape do i gr- agree with everything he says and does christ no but the geezer's a <laughs> juggernaut so thank you, Paul Riley, for that those kind <laughs> words. I think they, are they kind words? I think so. From Paul, certainly. Yeah, he's not slamming you, so that's a start. <laughs> um, I can I can co-sign on this. Like your energy and drive, and perhaps most importantly, your willingness to stick your neck out. I don't think any of that's in doubt, is it? That's all. Fa- that's all fair comment. I think we can we can put that at your door and contentedly uh, are you a juggernaut ted are you i used to be i was i lost a bit of weight um (laughs) wait no hang on it depends on if you're a fan of the x-men series or not um yeah i think that he's speechless he's speechless we've got him (laughs) no sometimes you have to think a little bit before you say something Uh, that's going to get you in trouble. Often, I I don't. And I think maybe that's part of... (laughs) No, I do think, um, but I have a lot of confidence. And and people kind of lose sight of the nuance between confidence and arrogance. Um, My confidence is built off the back of doing stuff and doing stuff for a long time and believing a bit in myself, but also having built up frameworks of evaluation around a lot of different things um, in order to to feel comfortable with like your perspective on the world. Uh, being in professional gambling and producing new things there where you get really tight feedback loops, but they can often yeah. be very expensive feedback loops as well, um, means that, you know, I've kind of honed a lot of this stuff. And also being like, you know, around the professional games group, like Magic the Gathering, uh, people who, who kind of know my history, like I did... Magic the Gathering as a as a profession, 
whether covering it or, or playing alongside of it for a while. And a lot of my, my best friends from sort of the 2000s uh, were professionals there. And then you know, some of them were professional poker players as well. And some of them turned into professional sports bettors, which is how I got into sports betting. Um, but like, it really does force you to test new theories all the time. And uh, and that you'll be wrong on a regular basis, both in sports betting and in, in games, right? Like you don't figure out the optimal strategy immediately. And the optimal strategy is not copying what everybody else does. Like that, that is, <laughs> it's figuring out how to solve that strategy if it's possible. Um, in some cases it's not, right? Some cases this is clearly the best way to do things and it is unsolvable. And so, you know, you just try and um, optimize around the best way. How do we get even better at doing this thing in this way? With, um, with product and data and everything else around. So like going back to the football side of this, transfers are the same as betting. Like they just are. Transfers are, you take in information, mm-hmm. you look at the price of a player, you look at the wages of this player, you look at all of the possible bets around this. Um, you know, what do the other players that we could potentially hire look like or sign or look like or whatever. And and then you make a gamble on, is this the right play for us? And, and people lose sight of uh, the other outcomes that you're looking at as well. So it's not just finding a young player that turns into a more expensive player. In some cases, that's the right model. But in other cases, what you're actually looking at is, I also need them to not decrease current performance or potentially improve the performance of my team. Or you're looking at, I have a window and that window is going to close. So I have Lionel Messi on my team. Or I have uh, Lewandowski and, and Mueller on my team. And I need to make sure that we win as many championships as possible during the peak of these guys. And so I'm going to overpay a little bit for the players that will allow us to win more during that period of time. And I don't care about the monetary maximization of this moment. I care about the pure output of those players to help us win championships, right? That's a very different model than, than what we did in the championship and what you might do at a League One club. Um, or you know, even at the bottom of the Premier League. And so there are these competing concepts around this, and that's where kind of the merge of uh, professional betting and professional sort of uh, recruitment in, in football happens. And I think that those things have kind of honed uh, our ability to, to do this pretty well. And will I have occasionally very strong opinions about where money should be spent? Absolutely. And if you don't have some strong opinions on it, then you're not producing useful work in this space. If every player that you produce as a recommendation is a six or a seven, you have no actionable information and you're probably going to get fired at some point when somebody realizes it. Yeah, it's interesting. Isn't it? I've always, I've always felt the, the overlap between betting and kind of like sports analytics and stuff is, is it's, it's really quite natural. And, you know, understanding, understanding one kind of like is useful, useful to the other. Um, yeah, and you're right about the way players players kind of fit into that, and and recruitment in general being a you know it's it's, it's essentially a large a large scale series of gambles. But yeah, you got you got to have um, this is this is why processes are so important, and this is why getting the right data is so important, and this is why getting the right people is so important because if you can create accountability around the decisions that you make, if you can create efficiency around the work that you do. Then there's a chance that you can move the needle, and I think certainly with gam- gambling teaches you that you know the, the the needle doesn't have to move far, and it's small increments 
and that can that can actually scale up into a lot of uh, a lot of gains i think it's easy it's easy to to be naive and look at sports and think like oh you know we need to go from I don't know, we need to go from 10th to the top 4 or something like that in a season and it's like well actually like if you even if you did that how much of what you did to achieve that is sustainable and you know how much of did you just come on the right side of variance understanding all these things a backdrop of um you know realistic expectation and making kind of incremental gains um it's all part of it so yeah you can build strategies that are more likely to spike variance too right like you mm. know, if you if you take a, a player that you think is super elite but has been injured a lot and you somehow manage to get him through a season and you spent like a good chunk of money on it if he gets injured a lot and doesn't get through that season, like then that's the trough of the variance side. And if he does manage to, you know, start like 25, 30 games and, and powers you through as you expect him to, then like that's the positive of the variance side. And there are so many pitfalls, so many pitfalls in football that people don't realize until they've kind of come across it. So there's a there's a story from I think what was it, four four years ago now, where we went into a club uh, back when we did consulting days, and there was a a guy that was, you know, he was a, a scout and he was kind of leading the recruitment effort there. Um, and he was looking at uh, a team in the top of League Two. They were in like the top two by a pretty clear amount, I think, uh, round about this period of time anyway. I don't want to give like any more detail around that because I, I don't want anybody to get offended. Um, <clears throat> but the, this team was was not in the Premier League. Let's, let's put it that way. So the team that they were working for, not in the Premier League. And the scouting report for a young sort of fullback that, that we quite like, like stats quite liked, but we also had scouted him, was like, oh yeah, this this guy is not good enough to improve our team. And the <laughs> the the next step was this guy is definitely good enough to play in League Un, right? And we're not in the Premier League, so if he's good enough to be in League Un, and he will be playing in League Un next season. And we are not in the Premier League. Why do you feel he possibly could not improve our team, right? And this happens all the time. The scouts are making these additional valuations about the quality of the competition that these players are playing against. And then trying to bring that back into, will this improve our team? And this is like a tiny pitfall. But when you compound all of that, and you have to really understand like all of the conversations that are going down through the stream of recruitment but also playing style and opposition analysis and how do we know that this is true? Like you get a lot of areas where people can be a little bit wrong. And if you're a little bit wrong, a lot of the time that adds up to a, a much weaker performance and a poorer performance. Anyway, to bring this back around to the stats bomb side of it, <clears throat> one of the reasons why I think we we came into football and started to, to sort of agitate for changes. I think that's the, the way that I would say. And that was in recruitment, but then it also became style of play and it became actual on-pitch ex execution, uh, which is mostly around set pieces uh, and throw-ins, but you know around other areas as well, is because we didn't have any preconceived notions, right? Like I didn't play the game as a kid and uh, I literally did not have the, the access to play the game as a kid growing up in rural uh, sort of like farmland as I, I got a little bit older. Um, my parents moved out into, uh, it was DeMott, Indiana, which at one point was the per capita leader for most churches in the world, uh, which kind of describes a lot of my upbringing, at least around me, not necessarily from my parents' perspective. Um, so anyway, I, I, we didn't have local soccer and <laughs> you, you had many other sports, but not local soccer. And then like, I, I kind of fell in love with, with, the sport during the 1998 World Cup, 
um, and then became like quite passionate about it through the 2000s and off of the back of those great Arsenal teams and then uh, sports betting as well. And I, I just I, I have like a notebook somewhere of me. I think in 2005 and then into the 2006 uh, World Cup, trying to like mess around with my own stats and data because the money ball movement was happening in the United States. I was like, I love this, this is great, let's do that. But if you don't have preconceived notions, it means that you can ask and challenge everything. And if you're a fast learner, or if you're somebody that loves to learn, like that should eventually lead to good outcomes to you, especially if you're able to iterate and test things. So with the data side, we learned about football. We started to, to really break down and improve things. It turned out that we were mostly right in a lot of ways, but that doesn't mean we didn't make mistakes. We absolutely did. It doesn't mean we were the ones that had the original ideas on everything. There were so many fucking smart people that came through here that you know have not necessarily gotten credit. James surfaced one that I didn't even know about in, in the, the intro course, uh, Richard Pollard, who worked along with Charles Reap back in like 1997. And then another important thing on 2004 to produce expected goals. Like we do not claim to be the ones who originated everything. But we've been lucky enough to sort of be involved in this space for a long period of time. And the you know time also yields positivity. So not having any any notions and then wanting to improve things and then wanting to take the things you learned about football and put it back into the data. That's where we kind of, you know, exist and, and why Statsbomb even, you know, has, has sort of succeeded a little bit because that's what we did. All good, all good in the hood. <laughs> Sorry, I, I, I think that you know Riley, Riley's been around for a long time, and reflecting back on, he was one of the originators of an expected goals model that I saw in public, right? His spam model, uh, so shot position, average, something or other, um, and he was collecting the location of each shot and then turning that into a probability. That seemed like an improvement. Constantinus Chapos and and Colin Trainer. Uh, were the first ones to write about that on Statsbomb, but Sam Green before that did that. So like there, there are all these baby steps and we just took the whole concept of expected goals and said, well, you can improve that too if you have better data. So we collected better data. And then we took the idea of pressures and said, we can improve defensive information, especially for forwards, if you have better data. And now we've taken it to the next step that said that we can improve all sorts of other things around every single phase of the game and evaluating what happens there. And James will talk about that a little bit in a second if we have better data and that's where 360 came from yeah basically i mean th this is the thing moving moving the needle constantly is um you know pretty important i think because we we talked about this last week but you know the general kind of explosion in interest and yeah clubs clubs realizing that if they haven't if they're not on this kind of um on this kind of train that they should probably get on it as well is is something that's really kind of pushed on in this last kind of year or two and we have over 100 customers right now uh we have something like 40 some plus on the women's side i think and uh then we've got almost 80 like right very close it depends on who signed contracts this week but uh 80 on on the men's side all of whom pay um uh, the women's side we still give away stuff for free but like that's pretty explosive for a company like us that only sells in the professional space as well. Like we don't sell to, to amateur clubs right now. Uh, we've been asked. I remember James and I were, were teaching and uh, <clears throat> kept running across like university coaches at the United States. Like, hey, can I can I get this? And we're like, uh, no, not yet. Like, oh, you serious? Because like I would pay. <laughs> and you're like, you've got somebody offering you money for your product that you would like to give them, but you can't scale into American universities yet because it, you, it's not ready. And that's been a long-term thing too. Um, before we transition on from this, uh, James, I want to ask you an important question. Go on. Are you down with OBV 
<laughs> yes. <laughs> this 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 provoked great joy, doesn't it, from the naughty by nature fans around the place when we decided to settle on OBV as a name for our Outs- uh, outstanding hip hop group from our new model. And uh, you know all the all the credits of the data science team led led by Dinesh Vatvani, who's my um, lead data scientist um, for for building this. And his presentation from the Evolve, I think you know for the for the true heads, you know that like like a bit of uh, stats modeling and such. Uh, that's if you didn't catch it, you should definitely check that out. Um, describing some of the decisions that we made around, um, around you know building this model, and, and I think the, the the key insight that I think ever got people excited was the kind of understanding that team strength, um, you know, really influences the outputs of these models, and that you need to kind of like factor that in. Um, uh, I love the granularity. I love the granularity of how you're able to evaluate different portions of people's games. I, mm. I, that was one of the things that I really wanted to take out of this. But the concept, so, so go back to basic, basic concepts here. Why would you care about a possession value model versus an expected goals model? Well, I mean, expected goals is just literally looking at one part of the game. It's a super important part of the game, and you're never going to exceed the value of the shots and the goal side of things. But, like, football's a game that lasts for, like say, we've got, we're collecting 3,000 plus events, and 25 or 30 of them are shots. So, like, okay, you're looking at, a very small percentage of them if you're just looking at shots what else is happening we need to understand what teams are doing and you need to understand all the inputs like how do shots get created how do teams move the ball how do teams create space how do teams pass you know who's important who who is the, who makes a difference in the middle of the pitch but doesn't crop up at the end and you know this has been a, a kind of move in the, the kind of second phase of kind of football analytics once once it moved out of just shot evaluation is to like look at the whole pitch and uh, you know this this is what we've done with our model here and it, you know we've considered a lot of things around it um to try and get try and get the best best version we can out of it from the data we have that it incorporates the, the added benefits of the data that we uh, sorry the the features that we have within our data set we've had these types of models for ages um and one of the issues with them is is scale right like we have a lot of data <laughs> and uh, and building ones that you are comfortable with uh, that reflect football as a whole and not just football at like the elite level is is challenging. Um, and we we went through a bunch of different iterations exploring it. Um, what you find with these types of possession value models is that there are a million and one ways to slice this data cat. Uh, you could choose not to be as granular as we are. You could choose not to make it as positional, although you will find like really big biases because you know different guys do different things. Uh, I think the one of the one of the choices that that we made and Dinesh made that might be more controversial is the the sort of punishment factor. So like you know there are actions that people get punished for, and we felt like that was fairly important from uh, reflecting how the game works. Like we're not just looking at attack; we want to look at you know what is the cost of potentially losing this ball or something like that. Um, it's still pretty early. Like one of the awesome things about 360, though, is you're going to get a much clearer vision of of you know the the probabilities around the success of each of those events because you'll now see positions and stuff like that. Um, and I think one of the the other things that kind of drives me nuts about football is, is so many times people want to boil it down to one number, right? And and OBV is a number. But in our usage, uh, as, as, as a stats bomb company that has done recruitment, if I were inside our club, I would use this alongside other things, right? And, and you know, get comfortable with what it tells you and what it doesn't, because no model is perfect. 
there are some models that are better than others. There are some models that are useful and some that are useless. <laughs> but so between like OBV <clears throat> on this side of it and then like a past completion model that has context and expected goals and, and sort of that sort of framework and looking still at, you know, the some of the counting stats that you might care about and some of the distributions around all of these things, then you tend to get a pretty clean picture of what players do and don't do and how to evaluate them. You still scout them. You still scout them. You don't have to not scout. Like that's not what anybody's saying. But you're using a lot of information to really tuck into what do these players do. And then if the scouts disagree with something, you're like, okay, why? Because that's like an interesting point of contention. Are you seeing something that is not in the data? Awesome, maybe that's a new data product. Hey, Statsbomb loves those things. Um, <clears throat> or is there something that, that you know, you're picking up on that we're missing? Or is the scout you know, not picking up on the right things or watching different games or whatever? So it's again, more complete picture, but the, I think the, important, the most important element of OBV is that it's gonna be free. We're not we're not nickeling and diming you on upsells and hey like we've got data scientists we will continue to add data scientists our customers get the advantage of having elite data scientists deliver things to them. Uh, James, what are you excited about to put into IQ? Because that's what you do nowadays. You you are one of the magic makers. Yeah, well that's that's the thing. It's um, blending it all together is 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 an interesting challenge because obviously IQ is a large product with you know lots of different ways to cut and slice data and look at things um one of our most kind of like well-received things was i in the last kind of year or so has been iq tactics which is essentially a pretty customizable event viewer we're looking at a v2 of that coming up at some point and integrating that in with in with the 360 stuff is is probably the most interesting way forward here because you know whereas we've got like layers for sequences and stuff we can actually like layer in um the you know the player locations uh, attackers and defenders and such and just kind of i think highlighting specific part of parts of the game this personally what i find quite interesting is like things like box entries or or like free kicks or whatever it is actually understanding how teams set up or like how, how many players how many players do they get into the box when they enter the box uh, you know are there players like loitering on the edge of the box are they you know all kind of like charging to the back post all these kind of like angles that you can potentially look at and it's all it's all there in front of us i think i alluded to this before like what we actually get out of this out of um the new data set is we've, we've had you know we've had internal hackathons we've had design sessions we've had people wrestling with the data we've had you know loads of people have got stuck into this and you know really kind of like sh shook it to kind of think what what can we do with this but you know what we actually represent within the products and the real insights we get out there is, is still quite open and it will be driven you know by the data by the data by an understanding of football we'll talk to uh, you know, we've got people like Carl Carpenter, uh, uh, you know, part of our company, who really sharp people that think about football in, you know, from a kind of like tactics and coaching perspective. We fill in that loop together so that the pro the things that we put into our products, um, you know, really represent football truths and football insights is hugely important. And and this is, you know, basically what my my future is looking like in the next few months is is solving these problems and you know getting them into into the product. And yeah, it's really quite exciting because, you know, I don't I don't know where that will lead, and I don't know what 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 our our insight landscape will look like you know six months from now or a year from now. But we've got you know a huge amount of ideas and and potential that we can work on going forward. 
and yeah that's that's what we're looking at yeah I, so i think you know layering obv in as a surface a visualization surface on like iq tactics and stuff and i can't get too into the weeds because most people probably have not played with <laughs> with those visualizations on the on the platform that would be listening to this but i think that you know even just starting there is exciting 360 obviously exciting you know in a sequence viewer you used to just get an arrow for passes or a squiggly for dribbles and now at each point in the sequence you get a 360 frame <laughs> you're like oh wow that's where everybody was cool and, and in some cases, it might actually help you clarify things that, you know, video has video has all of the information, but it also has a lot of noise. Um, so, you know, it might be able to strip things back and, and generate insights out of that. Um, well, yeah, and that's the thing. The ag- this, this, this is one of the th- one of the things about data visualization within kind of like sports stuff is the real the real power is when you're aggregating things. When you're, you know, you're looking at a player's like all of the, all of their passing or all of their ball carries or something and you're understanding of their trends there. And that, that, that's that's where the insight comes. If you're just replicating what the video is and looking at things singly, then there's a limitation of like how much power you can get from that. And you could just watch the video. So what the challenge of using data, um, you know, building products out of that is, is, is getting that higher level of insight that comes usually from aggregation. And yeah, I mean, that's I think that's that's a really important kind of like driving force as to as to, you know, what we can get out of all of the things we do is is building the patterns um talking about like throw back to what you're talking about with obv in relation to i've done like privately just like some past completion stuff i built a model a while ago and played with it and just understanding understanding this the the strengths and weaknesses of certain players like you have players that do do complete like tough passes a lot but maybe a little bit shonkier when they're you know just kind of like pinging them all around midfield like understanding that difference rather than just looking at like one number and you said this before but rather than just looking at one number saying this player is x good but looking at the the whole range of what a player does and understanding where their strengths and weaknesses are within through that filter um those are the kind of things that you can really bring out when you're um you know kind of getting getting stuck into like the levels of the data that we will have uh within the product soon enough so yeah it's it's really exciting look going forward and like thinking what we can do with this and sky's the limit really like you say i mean eventually we get like uh, player ids on all the players and such as well and then you know even more then because you, you the window into understanding specific positioning and defensive side metrics and that kind of thing is again like uncapped at the moment and really hasn't been investigated to the degree that it can could be so that's you know that's the end game i uh you always find things to get excited about at work like that's that's what makes it fun i got excited when we had a marketing thing um and i explained it kind of in the 360 uh but there was this this sort of mock-up that marketing had done and for some reason they'd put like radar rings on the on the pitch um and I got excited when I realized that we could use that as a, a visualization sort of nudge to give you a, a clear way of intuiting the distances of players uh, away from the ball on uh, on 360. And and I was like, oh, that's that's great! Like you know, keeps the the sort of branding, the classic Statsbomb branding, <laughs> in, involved in something that's actually a useful visualization, like radars. <laughs> people, people do like radars. There's no denying it. <laughs> James is the longest term radar hater. I'm just um, I've, I've moved from hater to ambivalent. <laughs> it's, it's probably because you're forced to work with them on a regular basis now on IQ. 
<laughs> so we haven't no we haven't looked at them recently at all i mean we brought in customization around them which was hugely popular people loved it absolutely real happy to you know be able to build put whatever metrics they like on there and that's you know something that people people work with um you know with our tools but um yeah i haven't done much with radars recently but this is the thing like the if you you scour the internet you see the visualizations and the tools that people use around sports data there's there's so many different ways you can turn and so many different ways you can render things and so many different ways you can get insight and you know my to-do list for specifically like building um things within our iq products is well extensive is just is probably underselling <laughs> it a little bit james get, is not shitting you when he says there are years of work <laughs> we get we get constant feedback from customers from you know for people who are on trial from uh, you know just people within the company everywhere about oh could you do this could you do that and we really try our best to like respond to it and and incorporate the good ideas but the list is like I say extensive and but it's great because it's 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 all kind of it's all growing and it's all building and you know you, you if you if you just follow the kind of football stats analytics community around twitter you'll see how experimental people are people always doing new visualizations new ways to cut the data new ways to slice the data new ways to look at you know what's happening on the pitch and again they might be just incremental improvements or, or things that um gain you know new insights but it's it's a it's still growing in that regard it's it's been growing for you know all the six seven years that i've been involved in it and you know it's so showing no sign of slowing down probably even speeding up it's been fun it will continue to be fun although james knows so i i don't even have to sort through james's list anymore I, i'll occasionally like have an opinion about something that i think is useful or valuable but because we have so many talented people in stats bomb and we will continue to hire talented people please check our our jobs page our careers page on the website regularly and social media but it means that I'm able to start working on new products in new sports. And so now that 360 launches out, I will be doing more and more of that. And you can see those of you who follow me on social media, I don't say much anymore. You have to go follow James for really hot yeah, takes. No, 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 no. <laughs> I don't think you'll ever be that guy that like, you know, he's the quiet guy. And then when he says something, you listen. You'll never quite be that guy, Ted, even if you're... Even if you cut down your tweets. What you're telling me is no one will ever listen, regardless. <laughs> uh, no, you'll always have more opinions than, than not many opinions. I think that's fair enough. <laughs> I, I am thoughtful about my opinions, though. If I, manage, if I bother to say something, it's probably because I've actually considered it. Um, all right, so we've got... Oh, there's one more big announcement, and then we're going to do like a lightning Q&A uh, around the questions that we got during the event of which there were like, I don't know, a hundred. So uh, we'll pick out some of those. But the, the last thing that we have not mentioned was some red team that is the first team to uh, have an agreement around StatsBomb 360 data. Yeah, that's pretty cool. That's Barnsley, right? Wait, no, no, Liverpool. Sorry, wrong one, wrong red team. Yeah. <laughs> That's it. I literally can't say anything else about this one other than we're very excited that they have an agreement with our friends over at Liverpool. And I don't want the lawyers to get grumpy about <laughs> anything else I would say. So let's move into the lightning round. And some of these I'm going to pitch to James and some of these I'll answer myself. So uh, let's see. Um, hello, pals. That's from Pablo. Thanks, Pablo. Uh do we have internships available? So I'll answer that one. Uh, 
we don't do internships partly because we feel like we have taken a couple on and we have just not been able to spend enough time to make them uh, be the best experience that we could. Uh, Stasbomb, we do actually try to be very considerate uh, around all of this stuff, like whether it's the products we release or the stuff we don't release or how we treat everybody or hiring or whatever. Uh, so we, when we, we would pay them, but it's just, we're not comfortable with it yet. If we end up in a spot, I'm sure that we will let you know. Uh, do you go back and update expected goals values for football matches that happened before the changes to your model, James? Yeah. I mean, we do like when we, when we've retweeted the, mo- the models, um, you know, we, we update everything. That's the thing. I mean, you got you got to think like when we started in 2018, we didn't have a lot of data. Built models out. It wasn't a lot of data. We've got a lot of data now. <laughs> so, like you know, the the bigger the sample in that regard, the the more kind of uh, valuable it can be to, um, you know, re- retune things and and check things out. One of the things in relation to that is definitely with the women's game. Um, mm-hmm. You know from a long way out we did you know we did a project um, a private project a while ago and it was it was quite clear that um you know the an expected goals model for the women's game uh would be would be valuable in and of itself but it was a case of collecting enough data um we'll get back We're to that probably at some point. close i would guess at the end yeah, of the yeah. season yeah we could be and that's and that's that would be a huge a huge move um you know to to build individual models across you know uh, women's game and, and the men's game um and yeah, that's you know something. Obviously, we've supported the women's game like strongly for a long time now, and you know that's that that's a natural kind of step to to move move on to. But I mean, the beauty of um, when we do build new models, like the models that Dinesh discussed discussed in the Evolve um, uh, presentation, is that you know it can it can sit across our data set, and you know we've got what we've got a, a main um, collection like offices um in cairo like they're all collected in the same place um a lot of the time when we've gone back and we've collected like older seasons it's it's on this exactly the same spec as we've collected on newer seasons uh maybe sometimes parallel to the newer season so there's like a consistency around that so yeah it's 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 good we you know we've got a strong idea of the reliability of our data across multiple seasons and when you build a model and you can uh, use you know many many uh, you know many many seasons across uh, many many leagues uh, to you know test test it out on. Um, there's real scope there to kind of like cover everything that we've ever collected, which is now a crazy amount of leagues and games and data and players. Um, yeah, it's amazing how fast too. that scaled. Really, <laughs> that that was fun too. Like looking at Ali's and Hesham's presentation, like 2,600 games a month. Uh, and and growing <laughs> and um a uh, hundred million events a year like that those are big numbers um let's see what else we got we uh will there be uh on demand of evolve i know that that's going out next week to people that did not sign up uh those people who had signed up to evolve they probably got the link afterwards in their email stuff uh and we might do uh, a sort of condensed version uh, of takeaways uh obviously you're at the end of this podcast where we're already talking about them but um for those of you who, who wanted to share with their friends uh just keep keep your eyes peeled on social media james how do people get started in uh in data analysis like what jobs are there especially for computer science there's a lot of these questions but um yeah i'm I, that's difficult to answer because you know there are so many different routes into that into this and 
Were you a computer scientist, James? No, no. And I, but I can code, and that's that's something that you know I've learned along the way. And this is the thing: I'm no spring chicken. I'm no young guy. If you're a young, if you're you know young, young um, man or woman and want to you know kind of get into this this area, then there's loads and loads of courses around um, like working with data, and they're, they're really transferable skills as well. So you know whether or not you end up you know in your dream job for your favourite sports team, or you end up just you know earning a good living doing analysis, then you know basically just dive in. You know learn learn a uh, coding language. Um, you know, take courses around the place, and I don't know. Test test the water. You know, most of the people that started off messing around with, well, I mean, your your journey is a classic as well, isn't it? You're like, you know, you just got interested in football analytics, and then here we are, a few years later, a few decisions have been made. But we it, absolutely still hire people based off <laughs> of their sort of social media and kind of blog output. Right? It, we continue to do so. But if you want to be hired by Statsbomb. Like certainly being being a, a good programmer is the the easiest way to get in here. So yeah, so many people. I think sports analytics is just like yeah, I like the sport. I'm interested in it. And then you find the analytics side of it, and you're like, okay, this is this speaks to me. Uh, I, I I like numbers and playing with thing, playing with uh, computers and such. And yeah, it's it can become it become quite a passion. I think that's the thing. Like I my my journey was starting writing, and I used to write articles and things. Uh, but but yeah, the the passion about it was just exploration, finding out new things, and you know trying to trying to tell people like things that they might not already know. And I've still got that that part of me still there, and you know digging around and looking at the data and finding things is still still part of it. But yeah, there's there's no one fixed route. We're seeing you know the world is small now. You can you can come from anywhere, and if you if you show talent and skill, then people will notice and you know give you opportunities and. Then it's up to you about how well you kind of, you know, build and grow from that. But yeah, more and more people that are in that were in the early stages of, you know, being around the football analytics scene are now in like relatively senior roles in in you know, the clubs or um, data companies or, um, you know, various adjacent organisations. So it's it, the, the pathway exists. Is there free data, and will there be more free data? Well, there is. Uh, I mean, there's there's a bunch of stuff, including all, all of Lionel Messi's um, uh, La Liga games. Not that anybody would be interested in that old guy. <laughs> available uh, via via our, uh, GitHub, uh, you can sign up and you can get stuck in, and that's a great testing ground just for learning about uh, how to how to manipulate um, sports data and, and visualize it. And there's women's data out like. there. There's yeah. World Cup data out there. I don't, I'm not going to say what, what's coming in the future because that's up to you, Ted. <laughs> uh, as I said in the Evolve event, we often will release new things around important international tournaments, but it's unfortunate that it is an odd-numbered year, in which case there will be no important international tournaments, especially on the men's side. Right? Shame. Shame. Right. Shame. <laughs> See? Um, there we go. Uh, Watch this in the future, space. There's some fun ones in here. In the future, do you think Statsbomb will be the provider of data to the English Premier League. We don't control that. <laughs> it's, not, it's not us, sorry. Uh, we don't make that choice. We might uh, attempt to uh, uh, you know, talk to them about these things, but I don't know. Uh, let's see, with quicker live data, do you think teams will start to make pre-halftime substitutions? Uh, no, 
<laughs> I don't think that that will happen. Do collectors live in society? Is is my my favorite one of these questions. This is an awesome question. Are collectors involved in the society? I mean, are they freelancer or they actually work for Statsbomb? They work for Statsbomb for the most part. Um, we have some part times. We have a lot of students actually uh, that are kind of in progress of their degrees, and this is part of their job. But we have a lot of like OG people that have been around, you know, kind of the whole time that we've been scaling and. Um, our com have a, a great culture down there. We call them Statsbomb South, by the way. Uh, so yeah, Statsbomb South has a, a great culture down there. There's like a ton of stuff in here on OBV and I don't even wanna like, I'm, that's gonna be uncomfortable because we're gonna screw up uh, what Dinesh might say. So I, I feel bad about that, unless you want to. No, that's fine. Let's do, let's just, let's just see where that goes. Dinesh's talk covers it brilliantly. I mean, he, he built the model and he really got stuck into the angles around like you know what works and what doesn't so you know that that talk is is available will be available as in the future uh, as well so you know that that will cover most of it i think some of these are just bastard questions like will you supply fb ref with more than one decimal point for the expected goals data please from someone who works for a gambling company come on man. no 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 comment <laughs> do you cover the indian super league that one I think is coming in the new season. <laughs> it is funny though because we're at that stage now where it's like occasionally someone asks me a question, "Do you collect this league?" And I'm like, "I used to know. I don't know. <laughs> I used to just. I used to just know. Now I don't know, and I'll check uh, because yeah, is there's there's a lot of leagues out there. It's amazing how much football does get played. It's you know, it's not uh, football. Truly, the sport of the world. I don't think anyone's ever noticed that before. Um, <laughs> Yeah, will 360 data be available on FBREF? No. That one, that one, I can guarantee you that's not going to happen. Uh, largely because they can't visualize things, and so, but yeah, that's that's going to stay just for customers uh, on the sort of team space and gambling space right now. Uh, like the FBREF, we love them. Uh, it's challenging though because like you can't let it take so much of your business that everybody just goes to fbref right someone says big shout big shout out to fbref and you guys for partnering partnering and to be fair they are they do a great job you know they they've they've become a real kind of go-to place for the um for the like casually interested fan and maybe even more more interested fan but you know they they render so much of our data they do a great job they work really hard um and they're always bringing out kind of like new new features and new ideas there. So uh, they're a good know. push too. You know, like occasionally they'll launch something that's not in IQ, and they're like, "Son of a bitch!" <laughs> they, the, the, <laughs> the thing the thing with them is they didn't you know they they didn't exist like you know back in the day where where we were kind of scrabbling around like I can remember hand transcribing things off the internet and you know just to get my data and FBREF really do put their data up in a, in a nice consumable format and there's a lot of stuff on there so you know credit credit to them for the work they've done they're you know we're more than happy to partner up, partner up with them and you know the work they do is really good this this is a good one for you as the face of stats bomb courses will the new tools be incorporated in the stats bomb academy courses james yeah that's a good point i've 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 considered like um updating some of those um maybe the intro one needs need to need to sp- Lick of paint, still very good course though. If you're interested in this and you've ne- never, never taken it, but um, yeah, it's about finding time and um, clearing the decks of other other many 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 other projects. So we occasionally get team customers that are like, "Hey, can you throw in the recruitment course for free?" You know, just as a no. That's my answer. James did too much work on that course for me to give that to you for free. So. <laughs> 
<laughs> I'm the mean guy. James is like, God, do I have to do this? Like, yes, you have, of course you have to do it. You have to teach the world about all the things that we learned. Um, let me see. Is there one? There were one or more two good ones in here. Uh, role classifications. No, that's data science. Can't can't talk about the data science stuff. They're they'll do more things. We we can't spoil what might happen in June. Uh, <laughs> which we have another event mostly around live. Yeah, someone said, you answered all my questions. You guys are good. That feels like a line to draw. There we go. That's great. <laughs> well done us. We're, we're going to assume that that was true here as well. So right at, <laughs> yeah, yeah. right at the hour mark, wrapping it up here. Can, um, I, just, can I just mention Jose Mourinho, the XG whisperer, before we go? Oh, I, I for, so here's the thing. I forgot that James <laughs> did it this week, and James actually forgot to do the work last week. So I think this yeah. is only fair. Yes, please tell us more about the work that you actually did one week late. Yeah. Jo, Jose, <laughs> it turns out Jose Mourinho is the actual XG whisperer, judging by his Man United 17-18 team and his Tottenham teams of the last two seasons. He's ahead of expected goals in all three of those seasons. So there you go. That's... I'm I'm just I'm just I'm just noting that that <laughs> that dynamic exists. So I I was looking at this actually and I was having a hard thought. So James give, give me a list here and and Josie's in there. But um most of the teams in here that are on that list are they had goalkeepers that were extremely good or on a heater, right? So if if you think Hugo Lloris and Spurs are on here nearly every time, by the way. Yeah, yeah, uh, that's true. Is a really good goalkeeper. Like, that has an impact, right? The Jose team, like, that was David De Gea playing out of his mind, standing on his head regularly. Uh, there's a Chelsea team in here, like the 16-17 team that won the title. I don't I don't remember. We didn't have the, the goalkeeper data back then, so I haven't looked at that to, to see if um, Courtois yeah. was, like, there's, there's, out of his there's, mind. There's finishes here as well. A lot of these, a lot of these teams on this list are, are good teams that, skewed over and so Tottenham being on there with Kane and Son as, as most likely elite finishes kind of like helps yeah, with yeah. that the reason this came up was the other side of the coin though because yeah yeah people so I, 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 bugged, I bugged James to look into Brighton and Brighton's mm. underperformance historically you know how often is this occurring in the data set and he he just filtered it down to the Premier League since we got like yeah, know, yeah. 100 my, teams of them my, intri- my, my point around this which I, I think is intriguing because obviously uh, Brighton's expected goal difference is positive and the analytics community, let's say, have noted this frequently throughout the season. Obviously, they haven't got many points and their actual goal difference is, uh, well, non-penalty goal difference is actually negative. And I think this is one of the reasons like Brighton seem, they seem unique or they seem unusual is because that 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 differential kind of goes across from the from good to bad. Like if you find a list of teams that are like you know much worse than their expected goal difference, like most of them are teams that got relegated. That teams where their expected goals difference was poor, and then their actual reality was worse than that. So the actual the, the I think I found four teams. Uh, I haven't got them on this list in front of me. Two of them were Southampton teams. Uh, that were actually teams that had a positive expected goal difference and then a negative actual reality uh, non-penalty goal difference. And so that that's the dynamic here around Brighton that's unusual. And So, and so Brighton, are, on, on James' list, Brighton were the, the second biggest underperformers of uh, goal difference versus expected goal difference. Hmm. Uh, and then the only other team that's in the top 10, I think, that has a, a switch to positive. Oh, no, there's a Southampton team in 16-17. But the 10th team is also a pretty interesting one because they have just had the most absurd negative finishing luck for, you know, the last three months, which is Liverpool. 
Yeah, yeah, exactly, and that just you know that that just speak of something because you know there's no they they they've got good good metrics and they've had good metrics throughout. So yeah, it's um it's interesting to frame it in this way because you know Brighton have obviously created every season there's one team that creates like a you know a conversation and it's not necessarily predictive of what's going to happen in the future, but it but it's it tells you what's happening now and like why why are we in you know why are we what are we looking at and why is this team interesting, and so yeah Brighton are. Brighton are definitely uh, curious in that regard, and the metrics, you know, remain solid. I think they won, didn't they, last weekend? And so, a few people were interested to note that. But all fun, all good. I want to wrap up with a thank you. Um, I want to thank everybody for listening to this pod. I miss doing it, but there are very strong business reasons not to do it. Um, And so we we will likely go back into silence. But we wanted to talk to you, you know, last week was an excuse to to kind of chat and shoot the shit around the pot again and do it in the old style. And this week is an excuse to talk about new product and product development and where things have gone. Um, But, you know, I... Oh my God, the Champions League draws just come in. (laughs) Anyway, saying my thank yous here. Thank you to all of you. Uh, You know, Statsbomb started as a blog and many of the readers of that blog have turned into people who work in professional football now, uh, kind of chasing that dream and, you know, potentially at, at customers and stuff like that. Plenty of them uh, ended up being owners or, or people high up at those clubs, which is also kind of fascinating. And plenty of people just like, like stats and football and have been along for the journey. And so thanks to everybody for listening. Really appreciate you being around. Maybe James will start a podcast around the Champions League draw in the future. <laughs> Maybe. All right. Cheers, guys. Bye.